from the emails and letters that I've had come in on the subject of terrorism, I've got two in particular that I'd like to respond to. Sin, and that's probably a pseudonym, who states, I'm sick and tired of these crybabies asking for peace. Such whims make me puke. It's now payback time. America must and should retaliate in the fiercest way possible. And uh, so he continues. On the other hand, Jian Singh writes from the other end of the spectrum, and she states that she worked as a nanny in the home of a doctor and an attorney, both from Pakistan, now resident in the United States. They were both very kind to me, and I loved their style of cooking and never had to worry, she writes. The recent events have given me reason to stay in touch with them and give them comfort. We never know who God is trying to win. So, two ends of the spectrum. And the question really is, can we get any guidance from the Bible as to how we should deal with terrorism? Um, should we take the Old Testament principles seen in the most extreme, perhaps in Deuteronomy 19.21? Show no pity. Life for life. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Quite strident that, although if you balance it with what other nations were saying at exactly that same time period, they were saying things more like two lives for a life, two teeth for a teeth, um, taking it to the extreme. The, the Mosaic law was saying, okay, we've got to deal with this, but just an equal and fair retaliation. Um, or maybe we should be listening to the words of, of Jesus in Matthew 5, 38-44. You've heard that it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him take your cloak as well. And uh, he carries on in, in that vein. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, how can we fit that in? There are some very good principles there, but nobody, I think, is going to turn the other cheek when 6,000-plus people have died in a terrorist atrocity. Turning the other cheek simply is not an option. So, here's four principles that, as I've looked at this subject, I've, I've gleaned from these and other Bible passages. The first one is respect for life. Deuteronomy 19 and Matthew 5 both come in the context of respect for life. God honors and rejoices in life. He created us. In Psalm 8, he rejoices with us as his creation. But respect for human life sometimes means that we have to deal with those who have no respect for human life. And uh, while on a personal level, we should indeed pray for our enemy. And we have been praying here at AWR for those who were involved in organizing those awful atrocities of September 11, we also have to prevent evil happening again, if that's possible. The second thing is protection of others. There are very many Bible passages that counsel those who are wise to protect the poor, the innocent, the vulnerable. For instance, Leviticus 19, 33 and 34, when an alien lives with you in your land, don't mistreat him. The alien living with you must be treated as one of your native-born. Love him as yourself, for you were aliens in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. 
Jesus metaphorically calls for a millstone to be hung around the, the neck of anyone who mistreats children. That's there in Matthew 18, verse 6. And this means, in today's terms, protecting the innocent living in our society, whatever background they come from. So there's no cause for prejudice or persecution of people simply because the terrorists may have come from a particular racial background or religion. And that leads on to the, the third point, because that protection also includes prevention of further evil or harm. And sometimes doing that includes force. That's sometimes why God condoned war in the Old Testament setting. Destruction of life was the lesser of the two evils. And preventing a repeat of September 11 may equally entail some acts which really go against our principles for the respect of life. In a world where there is evil, we sometimes have to fight against it to prevent harm to others, even at a cost to ourselves. You know, I remember the story of a Quaker gentleman, a pacifist, who heard a burglar downstairs in his house one night, and grabbing a shotgun, he came downstairs and confronted the thief. Friend, he said, I wish thee no harm, but I'm about to shoot where thou standest. It's an awkward situation. You know, we believe in life, but we're confronted with those who believe in death. Sometimes shooting where they stand is the only way to protect the innocent and reduce the amount of evil in the world. And then, point four, and this is my last point, what is the most redemptive thing that I can do? You know, these difficult ethical dilemmas, it would be lovely if there was a kind of black and white answer that we can give, and there, there isn't. But in these situations, I like to ask myself, what is the most redemptive thing to do? Sometimes, in Jesus' case, it was to take action, overturning tables and chasing money changers out of the temple, protecting God's house from evil. Other times, his best action was to turn the other cheek. And the prime example of this was allowing himself to die on a cross, his sacrifice allowing all who believe in him to live. It's a hard choice to make, and we need to make it individually. The Old Testament puts God's redemptive choice very, very clearly. Ezekiel 33 and verse 11. As surely as I live, declares the Sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Terrorism is wrong. It's got to be dealt with. But in dealing with it, we do need to ask ourselves those difficult questions. And we need to be sure that our response doesn't leave us to be seen as bad as the terrorists themselves.